Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 154. I'm Brent Wingate. I'm Clark. I'm Kaylin. <laughs> God, I was so excited. I was way too I'm Ryan. It's Clark and Ryan. It's Kaylin, Clark, Ryan, and Brent. Adam and no, Clark. it's just Clark. Yeah, it's, it's Clark and Clark and Clark and Clark. On this week's episode, uh, Wakanda's Forever might start sooner than we thought. The Arrowverse is getting a new name. We have a bunch of TV show announcements. Clark saw New Mutants. Um, we've got some, all right, this might be stupid. Uh, we may answer some listener questions if we have time. And of course, we wrap up with the issues. Starting out, um, so R&B singer Akon is apparently trying to create his own futuristic Wakanda-like city in Senegal, which he wants to call Akon City. They'll have solar-powered buildings. They'll be using cryptocurrency called Acoin. And allegedly, he has $6 billion in investments uh, and has begun construction on 2,000 acres of land about 60 miles from Dakar. There's a lot of insanity in this story. Um, <laughs> Who wants to start pointing out all of the questions and concerns this raises? Clark? So this $6 billion, uh, they all, based on what I read, is only, they've only gotten $4 billion so far. They will not tell you who the investors are. The investors aren't allowed to tell you who the investors are because they've got gag orders on them. Mm-hmm. We don't know who the fuck anybody is or anything. We know that the uh, Dubai created the structure like the the... Uh, the mobile, whatever the fuck they made. Uh, USA was involved with the, the architecture of just the design. So we have no clue what's going on. Supposedly, Senegalese people have nothing to do with it. No one has questioned their architecture. No one knows anything about anything. They're not talked to any architects in that country. Architects over there are like, this doesn't even look like African art, period. As you saw, the picture I sent to you, that one picture just looks like a glass double dildo. And that's not even a joke. It's just straight up a fact. When I saw it, I was like, immediate. Looks like a rabbit. A lady dildo. Yes, right. It's so it, it, you can tell it's very Dubai inspired. 100%. Because uh, just knowing hospitality and just sort of how like buildings like create an industry in an area that's maybe not well known before or is going through some strife that they're trying to pick up. It makes a lot of sense for them doing it here. I don't know if their actions are going towards these goals to be the next Dubai because those motherfucking buildings, and there's a couple different renderings out there, but just like you said, they look like not only like beautiful glass dildos, they look like an award that you would get like out of like a porn awards. It's like, (laughs) it looks insane. Like, you <laughs> glittering ups and down crevices ribbed for your pleasure like it looks oh all the so rammies i love those awards <laughs> <laughs> it looks so insane with that all said i'm kind of here for it because like <laughs> why someone else trying to like but okay you know why because trying to like get some stuff infrastructure in, that's not just by some capitalist like terrible people might be kind of fun, like just Akon really like driving at home. I know those are the people that are backing it, Clark. So you can put your hand down. But the thing is, like, it's just like it, it, I'm I'm here for it. Why can't we have Wakanda, <laughs> Clark? This is not say? going to help. This is not going to help the poor people of that country. They're going to be the lowest totem pole economically for that. They will work at their grocery stores of this giant magical place that is just for fucking rich people. It's just going to be for Americans that come in and want to be rich. These fucking people from Dubai are going to come in. The Chinese, China is putting hands down the most money into Africa of anybody right now, just in terms of the time and energy to do it because they want to be in charge of Africa at the moment. It's not going to be, this is not... Wakanda for African. With, 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 that, with that said, Dubai has hurt the industry in the Middle East as well. Anyway, Kaylin, what are you going to say? Yeah, Kaylin, Kaylin you, it's, it's got all the geopolitics of Wakanda, apparently. Kaylin, what apparently. are you Apparently. Uh, my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, I'm not here for this, but I swear to God, if some hip-hop artist or pop artist wanted to do a Krakoa, I'm there. I don't care about COVID. I'm getting on a plane. I'm getting there. I'm getting through the gateways. 
however the fuck they want me there. I want to be part of those like all night orgies of Krakoa. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Ryan? Ryan? Oh, sorry. What, what, one more thing, like, just like with Lindsay Lohan's Beach House, I hope there's a reality TV show that films this disaster that's about to be. It'll be our next, you know what I mean? Like, our next, like, ter terrible documentary in the works right now. You'll see some uh, unmade buildings left and right. It's not going to end well, but I'm, I'm here for the journey, Clark. So in early August, um, Akon said that uh, black people in America should get over slavery okay. because the, the Africans- Was that Kanye or Akon? Akon. Akon oh. said that. And like, I, w when I find any uh, like news from African-American information, I immediately go to the root to find out and they are fucking livid about that. They think it's the dumbest fucking thing. They're like, I hope this isn't true because this is neocolonialism to the fucking nth degree, which it is. And Akon is a piece, piece of shit. Like, it's shocking. Who, who the fuck is going to say that as people are getting murdered, as we're dealing all this stuff? It, I don't know. He's like, and the, but the thing is, like, all Africans should go back to Africa, which is basically just a giant thing of, like, hey, come back and, and, and come to my magic world. You can use my A-coins. Yes, Brent? Yeah, so um, maybe a, a comic question. Uh, what if you could bring any geographic location from the comics into the real world? which one would you be most interested in seeing for better or worse? God. I like to imagine Jeff Bezos building Metropolis just so that he can be its Lex Luthor and destroy it with real estate deals and bidding wars. Caitlin? Well, I think I said Krakoa already, but uh, one I definitely would not want to see is Latveria because we don't need a, <laughs> We don't need a small Eastern European country that has giant killer robots uh, terrorizing us. Belarus will get there. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, my, my suggestion is have Atlantis come up from the sea and then just squash on uh, all the red states currently voting for Trump. And I think it would work out pretty well for us. Alternate pitch, Atlantis comes up, all social media influencers flock to it. So you ah! Photos, it's, and then it sinks. It sinks again. That is brilliant. I'm on board for that. I take back mine. Clark, did you have any fun ideas? No, mine was actually going to be Utopia for the same reason. I mean, you know how those assholes are always at that weird party house in California? They keep having goddamn parties. Just go yeah, out to totally. fucking Utopia off, off of San Francisco and die and drown and go to hell. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. Moving <laughs> on. The CW, some, there's some CW Arrow spoilers ahead. Um, so after the Green Arrow's death at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, the fine folks at CW realize that maybe they shouldn't continue to call their shared universe after a character who doesn't exist in it anymore. So instead, it looks like they might be going by the wonkier CW-verse. Um, let's play a quick game of Fix It. What would you rename this universe? Taylor? Uh, how about let's stop talking about it verse because none of us watch CW shows. Uh, we don't care about the CW yet. We keep referencing it over and over on the podcast. I don't care. Let's move Kaylin, on. We also don't care about DC comics, but you keep making us read them. So like, there's <laughs> not a lot not of like, ah! not true. <laughs> not true. You piece of shit. Um, you with, that, with that all said, thank you, Caleb. With all that said, um, I think they should call it DC TV verse, DC TV verse. So they can cross over with HBO and other things, but they don't have to worry about the movie verse. And that's an honest answer. I think that works better than CW verse. Cause that's like, is Buffy in there? Is like repeats of the Hughleys in there? It's like, doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> the fucking yes, Hughleys. I hope, I hope. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably, you know, if CW stands for can't write verse, I'm fine with it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so the third season of Star Trek Discovery will feature its first ever non-binary character, uh, Adria, who's played by Blue DiBario, and its first ever trans character, Gray, played by Ian Alexander. Um, the series should be airing next month on CBS. Uh, among firsts, it seems a little crazy that this took so long, but it's also a little bit weird to call it a first. Um, 
I'm not a big DS9 fan, but I believe there are a lot of members of the trans community that see some parallels to the Trill and the transition of, from, of Curzon to uh, Jadzia. Jadzia. Do you have any thoughts on this? It's great. It's about time. I'm happy it, for him. Yeah, it makes sense. Star Trek has always like pushed the envelope. I mean, Whoopi Goldberg all those years ago was... <laughs> The, the stuff first she did for hats. <laughs> Pioneer. <laughs> Truly, though, like Star Trek is always ahead of the curve with this, and they really uh, make diversity a, a important part of who they are. Yeah, which I love. Absolutely. Uh, you'll hear that. Um, you'll hear that uh, uh, Discovery is going to be uh, also aired on regular CBS now. Oh yeah! I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'll start recording yeah. it now. Yep. That is exciting. Um, so Sony is trying to get into the Spider-Verse um, by making Spider-Verse television, starting with a Cindy Moon, a.k.a. Silk series. They don't have any street, uh, streaming service lined up yet to take the project, which looks pretty bad. But they do have two of the executive producers of Into the Spider-Verse, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, which looks pretty good. Do you guys have any excitement about this? I'm not familiar with the characters. So. As, as I explained, it was two white men that were so bad that they were kicked off of directing Solo. Yikes. Well, that's, yeah, that's for a show that's about an, an Asian American woman. Yeah, perfect. Have them be the showrunners. It's, uh, it seems like since there's no streaming service attached to it, it's, it's in this weird limbo now. We don't really know all the, the terms of the Sony and Marvel sort of partnership, but it's strange and it seems like they're almost trying to create another sort of like Netflixy type of like universe, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because we know that wasn't super successful. This might go to a network TV show, so it might be like Agents of Shield on ABC. So I, I I'm hesitant to this. I don't know why they're trying to create. Uh, things that will be a little bit more difficult for them. It doesn't, I, it seems like Sony's reaching at this point. But I do, <laughs> one one note that is funny is Lauren Moon is supposed to be the director of this, which is pretty crazy because Cindy Moon is the actual character who right. like is portrayed in there. So moons on moons. I don't know where this is going to be. It, this can stream. It's can not going to be on Netflix. It's not going to be in DC Universe. Hulu, maybe. No, Hulu's too owned by ABC. ABC obviously won't do it. CBS can't do it. They got too much shit going on. Fox is not going to buy anything that stars an, like an Asian woman. It's what time is it now dot com. That's yeah. where it's going to air. <laughs> it's going to be you know those those channels that I didn't Ask know existed, geez. like <laughs> MeTV and stuff like that. It's going to be one of those originals. Yeah, yeah, but I, I agree with. Oh, sorry, Kelly. I was going to say, I agree with Clark. I mean, I like Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I think they did a nice job with the Spider-Verse and um, the first Lego movie. But, I mean, the fact, you know, you've got an Asian-American character and you don't currently don't have an Asian-American creator involved with it. It's just like, it's, like mm, it's a little icky. So, I don't really love that. Um, I, I just think it's perfect for Sony's model of look at what everyone else is doing and then do that worse. And also 10 years later. Yeah, yeah it's a tried yeah. and true method. Yeah. Um, uh, in other news, Robert Pattinson has apparently tested positive for COVID-19, which has uh, delayed their restarted production. Uh, how could this easily avoidable situation been avoided? <laughs> Maybe they, they shouldn't try to do another version of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Oh, good. I'm glad. See, I was sad because Kalen wasn't here last week because you all poo-poo what I was saying. Thank you, Kalen. So no, you, I, think, you, you think because they were doing Christopher Nolan again, they got COVID? Is that, yeah. is that one of the symptoms now? Yeah, it is. Because what is it at this point? <laughs> yeah, this is, it's Dark Knight 19. This is liable, but Kristen, uh, Christopher Nolan gave him COVID. <laughs> Yikes. Allegedly, 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 just not, like your new mutants uh, review that you're going to give a little bit. Yeah, later yeah, that's, it, it yeah. is very alleged. Um, hey, and Clark, then, uh, it's not, it's not liable till you put it in writing. It's just slander right now. Look, it's slander. <laughs> I mean, I do that to everything. All right. 
And then on top of that, The Rock has it, and all his family have it. Oh, for that's sad. Yeah. They, yeah. they did say they're on the better half of it now, so that's good at least. There's a better half of COVID? Like, they, they got over the worst of it, basically. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. I, I was like, is COVID married? Is it like the Honeymooners? <laughs> okay. Yes, I mean, uh, COVID is currently married to Brent Wingate Buckright. God. I can't even joke about me? that. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I, there's not going to be any of these big movies for years. No. We're going to get through Eternals, and then there's going to be a huge fucking gap. Yeah. yeah. I just hope we can see the Eternals in theaters, but who knows? I just can't wait to see the next Avengers movie where they're filming from quarantine, like in their places, you know. Oh, the Zoom men, the Zoom Avengers. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone can be there because they just call in. It's so gonna be yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think this is probably the most exciting piece of news uh, we've got for today. Clark, you saw New Mutants. Um, do you want to walk us through that experience? Yeah, so I went to the drive-in to see it and, and in, in Steven City, and I love the drive-in. But anyways, so this movie is about three colors. It's like a whitish and a grayish and a brownish, and that's all you see the entire movie. And there just happens to be characters in it. And one is Danny Moonstar. Her entire family and, and tribe are massacred, and she goes to this shitty school where everybody has bad accents and they're interviewed by this woman. Can I pause you for one second and let listeners know there might be major spoilers in this and we don't control Clark. Clark, yeah. you. <laughs> so, so then um, Keanu Reeves shows up and suddenly he and this guy named Bill are going all over the universe and going to hell and all this stuff and there's like an alien robot and then oh, okay. their daughters are involved, and it's pretty great. But then suddenly, Danny Moonstar talks to a bear, and then it gets all gray again, and that's the end of the movie. Is that accurate, or were you doing jokes? Because no, I, literally, I don't know. It was so bad. The first 15 minutes were so bad. I drove my car and went around to um, screen number two and watched Bill and Ted and... I enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, wow. That's you drove crazy. out of New Mutants. Yeah. Wow. I, wanted, I wanted to um, kind of pay attention. Every once in a while, I'd turn around and see what was happening. It was always that fucking muted-ass gray. There's a bit of, like, funky green. It was, like, the same colors the entire time, to which I know did, is kind of mood, but it's yeah. boring-ass fucking mood. Did, did, it, like, did it look like – did you look like, you know, in, like uh, – uh, Justice League, where all the coloring is wrong. It's like sort of looks like that brown, black, and white. Was that what it looked like? No, most of the movie? I, it just looks like they were crawling through like that Swamp Thing TV show. <laughs> With the red stripe Brent. and everything. Yes, Brent. I'm not, I mean, the way you described it, it sounds like, you know, you're having 15 minutes of a bad time, you time travel a little bit, and then you talk to a bear. It sounds like going to a gay bar. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> but then the gray bear, I mean, the bear disintegrated. So that's a frightening gay bar. Um, so I turned around, a few, as I said, a few times in the movie just to see if it was still shitty. There, literally, I turned around three times, and it just happened to be a time when Sunspot was shirtless. It was, it was like, is this, is this the entire movie? Okay, I just, silver my, lining. My, my gay senses just knew when this man was going to be shirtless. Ryan? In, in the brief moments that you saw of this film, did you, uh, did you find that they were concentrating mostly on, uh, I've heard a lot of critiques that it's like mostly magic with a K featured as the main character and the rest are sort of just sidelined. I didn't even, I, all I heard was her having one conversation with some bad, bad, bad Russian accent. You know, right. that whole like Yakov Smirnov thing with the Soviet Russia, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sounded like, she would suddenly Russia, be yeah. like sounding like American. And then suddenly in the middle, it would suddenly be that weird kind of cartoon Russian. It was like Natasha from Bullwinkle and Rocky. Yeah. It would just go back and forth. It was awful. 
Wow. And of course I didn't watch the whole thing, but I mean, I'd rather watch a better movie. Yes, Fair. I would pay good money to see Clark watch both of these movies. But instead of just turning around, if you just did constant donuts, <laughs> if you're just going in a perpetual circle, <laughs> shirtless guy, Keanu Reeves, shirtless yeah. guy, bad Russian, time travel. So I, I, whenever this movie comes out on streaming, which will probably be later tonight after we finish recording, <laughs> um, can we, um, can we, like, just get high as fuck and just watch it and then yes, review yes. it? Also being yes, high yes, as fuck. Yes, okay. Yes. Thank you. It, Thank it'll you. be a. Do you think it'll be a Mulan release or it'll be video on demand? Uh, I think it'll be a VOD. Okay, so it won't be Disney Plus then. Gotcha. I, yeah, prob- probably. I don't not. know. I could be. Yeah. I could be wrong. No, Disney could do that. They wanted to throw this in the trash can as soon as they got it. Yeah. And just, like, so Disney. Here's my conspiracy theory. Disney actually caused the pandemic, and then six months later, uh, launched or uh, released the movie. They're like, this is how badly they wanted to fail. Uh, do, uh, do, so you think, do you think theory. this movie was so bad? that people got sick with the pandemic from watching this movie and that's how it spread because Disney there's a gave christopher nolan covid because they didn't want tenet to come out for like three months yes do you want to know like i know you say that clark but i'm sure there's a QAnon conspiracy theory that actually has that as a core staple we just created a new facebook group y'all <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did it, pioneers. All right, let's move on. Uh, Ryan, do you want to do a little uh, round of all right? This might be stupid. yeah. Um, it, and this actually this this works in what we were talking about a little bit. Um, so this section that we do sometimes uh, is called this may be stupid, but and it's basically uh, I peruse the dark web and come up with some of the stupidest theories that are out there and sort of like casting news for like movies and TV. So there's always a shit ton of people being like, you know, some of the dumbest theories that we've already covered. Um, So this week, something that came out while Keanu Reeves, star of uh, Bill and Ted. Mm -hmm. uh, No, no, star of New Mutants. Sorry. (laughs) So he was on a press tour and he said, uh, quote, I always wanted to play Wolverine. This led to a million idiots on the internet going, well, seems like Marvel thinks Keanu Reeves is going to be Wolverine at some point, which is stupid because of age things. With, uh, with that said, Keanu Reeves is someone that Marvel, Kevin Feige has constantly said like, yes, I, I reach out to him with a lot of roles because I want him involved in the MCU in some sort of fashion. So there is some sort of validity to him being in this world. I don't think it's Wolverine. Um, but with that said, do you think he could be Wolverine? And if not, who could he play in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Brent, who do you think? Well, let me just rebuff you a little bit because I think he might be typecast perfectly for Logan because he is a uh, nearly immortal uh, healing human being who basically looks the same as he always has. Um, I don't know, man. I've seen some 17th century, you know, philosophers and they look like Keanu Reeves. I've seen those old paintings that look like him as well. You know, Um, he was asked in an interview, a lot of people have said you're an ageless vampire and he laughed and said, huh, that's interesting. He didn't say he wasn't, which is what normal people would do. Okay, so what I'm getting from this is you think he should be Dracula in the Marvel Cinematic that, Universe. That that's what I'm taking away. what I was saying. Yeah, that actually works pretty well. That, that actually, I mean, that would be interesting casting because he was Jonathan Harkness yeah. in the early 90s Dracula movie. And, and they kind of, they're going to allude to it pretty early on now that that Blade's like going to be in the MCU. So maybe we crack the code, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. I think we're, we're all in agreement. I would say the, the, the other role that I would kind of like him for is, you know, what, what's the group that like uh, the Game Master and... Um, the Elders of the Universe. 
Yeah, the elders. I think he'd be a good elder of the universe. Yeah. Him and Which Jeff one? Goldblum, like, hanging out makes sense to me. Which one? Like, Which elder? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. The gardener. Just let him go. <laughs> Actually, I just he'd think be a really line. good gardener. He's just, like, he just keeps making, like, you know, he's got, like, marijuana plants. Oh, it, you know, can I just say real quick, I'm sorry, and then I'll shut the fuck up. But I, the only other character that I thought he might actually be kind of cool to be would be the Sentry. Because people love the Sentry and love Keanu Reeves, but people also fucking hate the Sentry and hate Keanu Reeves. So that would be a fun sort of, like, and also I he's... hate that. I, I hate love that. It so I hate that. Well, then, when, then why? Them. Okay, if you hate it so much, Kaylin, then why have I been photoshopping faces of Keanu Reeves on the Sentry all day long, huh? Huh? If you hate it so much. Answer that, Kaylin. Oh. You got me. You know who Don't. he should play? He should play, he, he should play Moon Knight. Moon Knight. That's it. He's Mark Spector. That's good. You know what? He no, he's Dracula. You're right. We got it. We hit it on the head. Okay, Sorry. he's Dracula. All right. I'll he's he's Marvel. Right. Marvel's Dracula. Let's go to uh, we got we got a listener question. Uh, this comes from Chris, who is a big fat bitch and sexual. He asked, um, "Who's a friend of, of of his?" So, um, oh my god, your internet, Brett, your internet, it's so bad. You, you, you just popping a little bit, saying, but it was while you said "big fat." Bitch. So it just uh, yeah. Okay. That's all we more. got. Jesus. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat it. I will repeat it. So we well, I, I didn't we actually got... ask the question. I did pause. <laughs> yeah, you paused yeah. for like 20 seconds. <laughs> I paused because because all of you guys were frozen, and then I didn't hear any noise from you. Listeners, I'm so sorry. Why don't you ask the question? Normal. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question, uh, and it's from a friend of the podcast, and I use the term friend loosely because uh, it's Brent's brother, Chris, who's a big fat bitch. Uh, what do you think the appeal uh, Wolverine has made as like one of the defining stars of the X-Men? Why do you think people love him so much? I have an answer, but I want to hear from y'all first. I, uh, yeah, Brian? No, I think he, he epitomizes uh, the tough working... <laughs> immortal that could sort of be in any guy like he's rough and tough and he will do the business but he at the end of the day has a good heart so basically over the years he can kind of be transplanted into any like situation like he wasn't originally in world war ii killing nazis but now he can be in world war ii like killing nazis he can know Captain America. He's, he's been there forever, so he can be everyone and everything. And even if he's done terrible stuff, like he's the best at what he does, which is killing, but he's like trying to learn from that. So he ultimately will always be a good guy trying to do better than what he did in his past. So like no one can touch him because he's always trying to be better and he hates himself, which everyone hates themselves. So that's great to see. Right. I think that, you know, it makes me think a lot of a character like Superman and why that character is also very popular. And I think they both exemplify two different visions of what it means to be an American, like what it means to be America as a nationality. Wolverine's Canadian. Yeah, yeah. No one cares about that. uh, He's Canadian, but okay. Canadians don't want him. He's too aggressive. If 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 he was really Canadian, thanks would come out of his hands rather than claws. Um, I think that Superman is like he's like this idealistic. Whatever you do is good. But Wolverine is the kind of Western. He's the begrudging hero that gets shit done and does the right thing. He might do bad things, but it's always justified. And I think that's the way a lot of people view, you know, their, their, you know, their fantasy in, in seeing comics. Kaylin? So Wolverine was introduced in the early 70s and became really popular throughout the 70s when he joined the X-Men and then in the 80s when he got his own comic. And he, uh, to Brent's point, kind of exemplified that sort of anti-hero 
that was gaining a lot of popularity. Think about Clint Eastwood in the uh, Man With No Name trilogy, The Good, Bad, The Ugly, Fistful of Dollars uh, for a Few Dollars More, as well as Dirty Harry. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, then you had like, you know, uh, sort of comic readers sort of maturing and getting away. You, you referenced Superman, you know, uh, Superman was the sort of like the, you know, very two-dimensional goody two-shoes type of hero. Wolverine was sort of the antithesis of that um, in the Marvel universe. And, you know, I think when Claremont was writing him and he, when he was illustrated by John Byrne and then by like Paul Smith and John Romita Jr. and so on and so forth, the, what they did was really smart was they, they would only like give you little hints of his origin. And uh, it created a sense of mystery. And so that like, I think, uh, captured the reader's imagination. It certainly captured my imagination when I was a kid starting to read X-Men comics. And then finally, I think when Marvel decided to reveal his entire origin in the early 2000s, I was like, okay, I think my interest is kind of done with this character. Uh, even though there have been times I've liked the character, I've liked him in certain movies. Uh, I think Hugh Jackman did a nice job in the Wolverine movie, in the X-Men movies, excuse me. And I've liked the character from, you know, now and then in the comics, especially when he's contrasted with the rest of the X-Men, but when he does his own solo titles, and we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about the issues, I find myself to be less interested because now I know his entire backstory and I am also kind of bored with the loner anti-hero archetype. Um, I, um, I mean, everything you said is perfectly what I was thinking. I have an issue with it in terms of just the fact that the, the loner aspect, the fact that this has become, um, he's one of like a firebrand character for certain undesirable people that I wouldn't want to deal with. Like, like there's a whole a Punisher aspect to it. You know, he takes control and won't listen to anybody. Cyclops is a loser and a boy scout, you know, like some sort of liberal pansy kind of shit. And I, I just feel like, this, it's another version of America, the America, America that even if he's got all these good traits, which I like when he, we focus on those, he, there's this undercurrent of just like aggression and anger, but like we, that we can justify that like people who are currently going through all this anger over, you know, quote unquote, like these quote unquote libtards and they, you know, their signy sh sh fucking farts. It's, it's, I don't know, it makes me uncomfortable. It's an entire country where we're getting some horrible disease because no one will do a goddamn thing about it because they're, they're, they're rebels, they're Wolverine, they're the Punisher, they're this kind of shit. Yeah. Um, I think that's why, um, as we've talked about before uh, on podcast, I really like the character on Wolverine and the X-Men because they had to put him in a different context where he was now the headmaster of the Jean Grey school and he had to gain like a certain re sense of responsibility. Like he couldn't just be the guy who got into bar fights and went off to Madripoor and just, you know, did whatever the fuck he wanted to. Like he was now responsible for an entire institution uh, with teachers and students and their well-being and their education. And like that to me, it was like, oh, this is such a good evolution of the character. And I wish they kind of stuck with that. Ryan? Do you, do you guys think that he sort of epitomizes exactly what even old school Marvel comics was trying to be comparatively to the other studios that were out there? I mean, he, he represents basically a wild card. He was the kind of one of the first anti-heroes. He was like, he, he had this power, but it was, it was, he had his berserker rage and it made him go crazy and it made him a villain when he didn't want to be a villain. I think I see a lot of correlation with a lot of the heroes in the Marvel universe, like Hulk and some other people. Like he, I think he is the quintessential version of like trying to be a hero the most that they can be. And people, people, whoever they are, maybe what maybe Clark was saying, or maybe even more purists like, uh, a superhero -y type of characters that are looking for, look for him to be whatever they want him to be. So he can kind of implant himself into anything people want. Even now, when we talk about him on Homo Superior, we talk about him like, well, you know Wolverine was a big old homo because he lived forever. And like, we say, we say that shit and because we have put our own thoughts into him, and I think he is a great 
vessel for that. So he could literally be, he can literally just be anyone. He's a bottom. Any. He's a bottom. He's Bad. a big old yeah, Ryan, sloppy, he's... sloppy, filthy bottom. And I love him for Ryan, that. Ryan, he's, we've put our thoughts into him and he's put thoughts into himself. <laughs> no, but he can, he's the everyman because he can kind of be whatever we want him to be. Whereas other heroes that are very wholesome, maybe not so much. You see the flaws in him because he was one of the early original like flawed heroes that we had. And you can't He's deny the fact that he, um, <laughs> yeah, you can't deny the fact that he is the only X character that's been able to sustain a solo title, the only one. Yeah, you know, and there's a reason for that. Um, that you know they they were able to like mine the fact that like he was a character that didn't know his entire backstory for so long uh he was able to have his own his own adventures um you know and like i didn't always love reading them but you can't deny that, that this was was um you know uh a big appeal to the character and now they're trying it again and we'll get into you know the fourth issue of wolverine when we do when we do the issues i think that's a good segue brent to get into the issues uh, sure. Why don't we, uh, why don't you, I, I mean, you're going to lead the issue. Why don't you take it away? <laughs> sure. So I'm going to start off with our cosmic titles first, uh, because we, um, had the end of Empire. So when we last left our erstwhile heroes, we found out that Hulkling wasn't Hulkling at all. Uh, Raquel, the former Skrull Empress, was impersonating her grandson, <laughs> while the real Hulkling was doing his best Man in the Iron Mask cosplay. Meanwhile, Mr. Fantastic was doing his best Iron Man cosplay. Uh, the good guys, you know, end up doing their thing, which means they fight the Katati and make sure the sun doesn't go kablooey, uh, which is what Raquel was trying to do. Uh, and basically they win, but even though a lot of the action takes place off page, in other words, the ancillary titles that we didn't necessarily read, maybe Clark read them. Uh, and then we have a new world order or maybe a new universe order uh, with a real Skrull Cree alliance uh, led by Teddy, of course, is, uh, of course, is Hulkling. Uh, my first question is to you, uh, Ryan Crawl, Ryan Scrawl, excuse me. Uh, uh, did you hear the Star Wars music at the end of the issue? Because I certainly oh, did. Oh, for fuck's sake. When they were building it up at the very, very end, yes. Like, and I guess this really is a new time for space. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Dun, 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 dun. Like it was it was very it was very put on. But I had a little bit of time for it. Brent, you want to say something? I only want to say that it, your name is perfect because Ryan Scroll only says Cree. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guys, I really need to dress as a scroll and be Ryan Crawl Scroll. Like this, it, it makes no sense why I have not done this before. Yeah. Clark? Um, so next week, I believe next week, we've got what I think is going to be the real final issue is the Avengers, um, <clears throat> like, basically... The aftermath? The yeah. entire thing, where in the pr preview, we have a conversation between who I didn't know was pronounced Raquel, because all I can think of Raquel Welch in some <laughs> tiny, tiny little 100,000 BC number. Thank you for um, saying and, that. I had no idea. And Hulkling. It just seems like this isn't done. Partially because this series was boring as fuck. Things happened so quickly, but also, just, I don't know. I, I didn't like it at all. The characters it made no it. sense. The bad guys yeah. made no sense. Nothing made sense unless you read the supplemental material. And right. the only stuff I liked about this were the three one-shots that were um, the Lord of Kings stuff. We actually understand the characters and where they came from and why they're important and why they why they even who gives a shit with those three were like fucking stunning stunningly written so important but you get to the actual meat and it's nothing well they they're trying to kill the meat remember they're plants yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but um i agree with you um i didn't read all those one shots i only read that that first one um but like the obviously we loved the empire x-men miniseries which was a little, just a lot of goofy fun but even the regular X-Men titles, like the last issue that y'all talked about podcasts on podcast last week with Magneto, you know, being the ultimate hero to save Krakoa, you know, they reference it. And it's like, that's the most exciting part about it was a reference to another comic. Uh, Empire had such a strong beginning. I loved the first issue. 
with the swerve of the Katati being the bad guys. Uh, I like I loved the the sort of the the status quo change of the empires in the Marvel universe. And then it just felt rushed, 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 rushed. Uh, you know, and I was like, they didn't let the story breathe at all, in my estimation. Ryan? They, they were definitely rushing to the finish. And they were like, eh, we just want to end it. And you could tell, it seemed like this entire series, much like a lot of the Marvel Universe, like crossovers, they, they were just trying to figure out what they could do next in the entire universe that would be like the great new change that would bring all the new titles. So this one, obviously, cosmic titles are going to look very different for a while. Um, I, I think they did miss one opportunity, though, which I'm kind of sad about, was all these swords, Black Panther had a sword. sword. Um, like, there was so many swords being thrown. Swords, man, died. Like, all these people, like, I feel like they missed such an opportunity to drop off one of those swords with someone in the X-Men and bring that into the crossover. That is such a missed opportunity. But Clark, are you gonna say something? with that said, Clark, what do you have to say? My missed opportunity was why bring Mantis back if she's going to speak for all of like 30 seconds. She did like, my son, my son. At one point. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it was so stupid for like the main villain, not actually the main villain, but the main villains like the reason he exists, the important of this story, the re there's two stories that were important for creating this entire miniseries, and both, well, one of them got total short shift. Yeah. Yeah. Needed a villain, they're like, okay, I guess this could work, sure, let's put it in there, and so we can change what our future is going to be in the universe. I don't know. Brent? I, I mean, everything you guys have said, I agree with, but I think the biggest problem for me was that you've got this character Koi who basically in the last issue you know there he's not really very thoroughly fleshed out as the villain in this story I don't think but I think there's like a lot of opportunity for him later and then at the very end he's being carried away and he has this kind of like villain look back smirk and I'm like <laughs> that's just a terrible thing to do to a villain it yeah. makes them so cheap and hokey like they're a robber in 1920. Hey, Brent, he isn't fleshed out because he's a plant. Does no one remember stop, he's a stop. fucking plant? Boo! He's only, right. he's, Kaylin, he's only part plant. He's part human. Uh, okay. Well, that part's Kaylin, the worst. Is there some, some sort of a crossover, but not really crossover issue we could talk about in relation to this? We can, and we'll get to that in a second. I will just oh, say God I agree. <laughs> uh, I, I am actually, I, I am actually look, kind of looking forward to the aftermath issues because I'm curious about what the status quo is. So the Avengers aftermath, the Fantastic Four aftermath, I hope they're going to be semi-entertaining. But to your point, Ryan, yes, there is a non-crossover crossover with Guardians of the Galaxy number six. So we've got the two Guardian teams. They've reached a detente. Uh, they're not fighting anymore. Peter Quill is still dead, but, you know, he's waiting on the horizon to come back. Uh, Richard Ryder has daddy issues, something we've never seen before in a Marvel comic or Marvel movie. Uh, my favorite part, Marvel Boy and Hercules are totally fucking. Love it. Uh, yeah. Best, best panel of any comic ever. Um, and, <laughs> sure. and at the end, uh, we are caught up to the end of Empire because uh, Rocket gives uh, Richard Ryder, Nova, a little heads up about what's happened. He's like, wait, the 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 Kree and the Skrull, they're allied now? The Katati? What? what? <laughs> so uh, we know the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be dealing with the aftermath of Empire. So this was a non-crossover crossover that I really enjoyed. Um, I love this book. Um, I think I, I liked, even though the, the whole um, talking to a therapist sort of uh, framing device has been used many times before in comics, mostly by Peter David, in both uh, Incredible Hulk and in X Factor. Uh, but I thought uh, Al Ewing did a really nice job of this. And it's funny that Al Ewing has written both this and Empire. And I, I just prefer this so, so much greatly. Ryan? I really appreciated uh, uh, the continuity that uh, came before it. So it was really acknowledging some things of 
not the last couple of years of what the Guardians of Galaxy have been, but like actually acknowledging the past before the MCU movie became really popular, like really acknowledging the history of the Marvel Universe uh, from the space dynamic. And I, I, I really appreciated it. I, I love the therapy aspect of it because thinking of the universe and especially all these space like territories as having some sort of like universal health care where they will pay for your therapy from the annihilation wave that happened all those years ago. I, I absolutely love that. I love continuity like that. Like it gives longtime readers such a good thing to listen to. I, I loved it. And also, give me free therapy. Honestly, if I go to a war, let me have it. Brent, what were you going to say? I'm very disappointed that socialism has made its way into space. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, listen, I, I do love the panel of Marvel Boy and Hercules. Marvel Boy is very quickly moving up the ranks of characters that I, I just enjoy seeing. But I will say it's homophobia that... They didn't have eight panels of them hardcore penetrative fucking. <laughs> God. That's issue seven. Uh, issue seven. Issue seven. That's when it's going to happen. Clark. It's just bigotry is what I I'm do saying. that. I do like that. Like five years ago, Marvel said that Hercules was not bisexual. Like we're definite about that. Yes! Even though uh, Kieran Gillen had that one little issue of Hercules' funeral where every single woman he had slept with had shown up and they were like, anybody else? And all you see is a slight like wave of North Star going by. It's, it's so brilliant and I'm glad, like this is on panel. This is our true 616 Hercules. Like there's yeah. de no denying it now. It doesn't mean he has to only date men, 616 like hater straight guys. But, like, it's just open now. So, like, we can be done with it, which is so nice. Uh, Clark? Um, the space stories um, in, for Marvel have needed Richard Rider since they lost him. It, it diverged to the point where it was almost like a humorous cartoon the entire time. Guardians of the Galaxy became garbage when they turned Star-Lord into a goofball idiot. Yeah. And they never brought him back. He was actually the one who was much more intense than Richard Ryder even was. It's, I, I feel like we're finally back to what yeah. Annihilation was. Totally. Annihilation Conqu Conquest, when DNA were doing their amazing stuff. Like, I'm finally in a good place. Moondragon has two versions of herself shoved inside of each other. I don't know. I'm very happy with what's happening here. Yep. And uh, he... Richard Ryder has always had daddy issues since he was created. So this isn't anything new. No, it's not new. It's just, it's just clear. Like there's so many Marvel characters oh, and yeah. some DC ones that have a lot of daddy issues. It's just, I guess it's just a, uh, well, it's almost like a, a lot of people beast. have daddy issues though. Yeah. What? <laughs> I have that episode. Um, okay. Let's move on to some of the X books. Um, so let's start with cable number four, cable and Esme, who is, 20% of his girlfriend. Uh, they got a time machine in the last uh, issue, and that, of course, is the arm of Old Man Cable, uh, the cyborg arm. Uh, they, they did that, to force to help the Space Knights go back to Galador, their space planet, before it went kablooey. And, of course, they have no intention of letting the Space Knights do that at all. So through some timey-wimey shenanigans involving Old Man Cable, they put a nuclear bomb in the time machine to make sure the Space, space, Knights, space Knights go kablooey. Uh, and then Cable gets to keep the, the Light of Galador, his new sword, thereby setting up uh, Ten of Swords next month. What did everybody think? Great. It's kind of fucked up. Uh, I mean, I know that the Knights uh, were going to, like, reform our planet, but it's kind of fucked up to blow them up with a nuclear device. They've got another big one coming, they said. They'll be back. They'll be back. Yeah, but not those ones specifically. Who cares? Oh. Yeah. Fuck They're like cares. tortured hey, people. Hey, who... Brent, if you loved them so much, name one of their names. Alan. Ooh. <laughs> oh. oh, he got you there, Ryan. Alan the Space Knight. <laughs> no, that was, was the brain that went into the Space Knight. That... <laughs> name. It's, I, I, I marvel at the art of this comic. It's just so pretty. It's so well done. Yeah. I love it so much all the time. 
Um, I think this, this comic is a lot of fun. It's the most fun I've definitely had reading Cable ever. Um, I love that he's dating all five of the cuckoos. I love that Emma Frost does not approve. approve. Uh, I thought that was just a great scene where she just does the, I, I can see you, I see you, Cable. Uh, Clark? He thinks he's dating all five of the cuckoos. Phoebe's cheating on him with Quentin Quire. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's an open relationship. I mean, why not? There's five of them. No. Cable's not of that mindset. Cable's not ready for that, though, honestly. Oh, he's not. Okay. All right. All, he's got to have all five of them. All right. Yeah. Not until Marvel okay. Boy shows up and makes out with him, at least. Okay. Can you stop getting out of my head? Because that is my <laughs> dream. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, New Mutants number 12. Uh, Ripped from the headlines, the New Mutants take on a Breitbart-esque publication named Docs by threatening to uh, dox the content co contributors of this troll-run website. We also get some backstory of Ed Brisson and, of course, Brent's favorite character, Glob Herman. And the Nova Roma subplot continues with some creepy-ass body horror shit that's definitely going to give me nightmares. What does everyone think? Brent. Um... So I think, you know, obviously Glob Herman is still being immaculately written by everyone. But uh, to me, this comic really felt like revenge porn uh, for people who like have ever been wronged on the internet. And, you know, there's a, there's a kind of problem where you like, someone fucks with you on the internet or someone hacks you or whatever. And you don't feel like you don't have recourse because you don't understand the technology. And this seems like the kind of stupid way that you, you would imagine fantasize about getting a proper recourse that could never really happen, but I don't really hate it either. Cause I know that I don't have the solution for it, that kind of problem, but seeing, seeing someone go on a personal journey through it, I did think was enjoyable. Ryan. The, the writer clearly is angry at someone and I'm here for it because that's how you get out your your thoughts and stuff. Like, but clearly, uh, talking to someone specific. With that said, um, I think it's one of the best non Hickman written issues that we've had so far. Um, I enjoyed it, um, and I do like the partnership of magic and a weird partnership that it is magic sort of tutoring glob Herman going forward. They're like an unlikely duo, but maybe they have some of the same rage issues that they're working out in very different ways. So I got time for that. And I'm kind of excited about that. With that said on a negative take, Clark, how would you like to talk about this? Um, so I've been liking glob Herman a lot in like the last 10 years, because we haven't had to go into the territory that I'm about to speak about. So we learned his entire history, and there's a point where he could have purposely mentioned the fact that he murdered some people, but well, it doesn't matter. Let's flip. Now it never happened, even though it was part of Grant Morrison's run and was a huge deal and catalyst for everything that's going to be going on with, with the riot and everything. That was very strange. It's, I don't know. I don't know why. They literally, this is how they could have fixed it. They could have fixed it so easily right then, have them, you know. Yeah. The obs I, I, magic, magic could have talked about the fact she has also killed people, blah, 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 blah. I see that, issue. Yeah. But instead, I'm still holding this like weird, I don't know, there's this whole weird hypocrisy thing going on and I, it's made me like the character less. Yeah, it's, I actually it's made completely... me like the character less because the producers, this is what I do with television, I like a character less if the producer's trying to force some idea that we know, I know not to be true. Yeah, if you, yeah. Uh, the if creators feels are forced, forcing yeah. this. Yeah, it's it, this is a lie. This whole thing's a lie. He, he was sad and blah 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 and da 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 da. And then I murdered ten people and then da 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 da. Not ten, but it, yeah. it's strange. It's very strange and uncomfortable that we are just forced to pretend it never happened. Yeah, I um, I they've never really been able to redeem some of those characters and like they kind of just like you know whitewashed the Glob Herman stuff. Uh, when they kind of brought him back and made him be this very sort of gentle, like, you know, docile sort of like, cre uh, uh, like character. Um, you know, clearly they tried to do that with Quentin Quire. They've not, they've kind of redeemed him, but kind of not redeemed him. He's still a shithole, but he's a shithole that like works for the side of good ostens ostensibly. 
but I agree with you, Clark. I think they, they could have like just dealt with it. They could have like addressed it and said like he has to redeem himself now in the same way that Magic and others have had to redeem themselves. Um, and they just didn't, they didn't want to deal with it. So I do agree with you. But that said, I agree with Ryan too. Um, I'm starting to enjoy the Ed Brisson issues more. Even the Nova Roma stuff. And I have never liked Nova Roma at all. Um, I actually enjoyed it because of how creepy that scene was uh, when the woman, you know, has the, um, the creature that's going inside the person's body that's going to regenerate his organs, but also cause him pain. And I was like, that to me gave me the fucking heebie-jeebies. Like it just freaked me out. Um, I, I, I don't know. It, that was effective, but it was also very, very creepy. All right, let's move on to our last issue of the uh, Dawn of X books, Wolverine number four. Uh, Logan is doing his best Bobby Iceman cosplay while Dracula and his thirsty ass minion drain his type E blood. First time I've ever seen type E in any comic or anywhere. A group of good vampires with their cool snowmobiles rescue Wolverine. <laughs> A fight ensues. Some of the good vampires are essentially red shirts, blood red shirts maybe. Uh, as they fight the bad vampires, they get killed. Uh, Wolverine swears revenge on Omega Red, and at the end of the issue, he's transported somewhere by a gay-ass rainbow. What did everyone think? Ryan. Were those were those vampires from an 80s movie? Like, what the fuck were they? Yeah, they the were Lost like, Boys. We're Joel bad, Schumacher's Lost and also Boys. were rebels. Yeah, it was, it was a little on the nose. Kiefer Sutherland I, was right there. Kiefer was right there. It's, I, I enjoyed it. Um... I think the the art style is what really uh, stood out to me. It felt like uh, just reading DC comics and like the visual look and maybe because there was snow everywhere, but visually it just looked like everyone was Iceman to me. Or I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Freeze. Everyone just looked like <laughs> Mr. Freeze to me. Like it, it, I, I enjoyed it to a certain extent, but I could take or leave it. Show me Omega Red for the fucking f millionth time. Show me him in the issue. I need him. Clark. Yeah, issue three ended so well. And then this was just some nonsense thrown in. I don't see these stupid kids on snowmobiles doing anything. Yeah. It was just boring and it was just tedious and silly at the same time. I don't know why we had to waste our time with this. Yeah. It felt like a filler issue for sure. In these COVID times, it's nice to see a medical chart of blood types, though. That I will say that. That's, that was nice. Sure. Uh, one in a billion, right? Type E. Not that any so. of us can give blood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that's oh, very yeah, true, that's Clark. Talks, yeah. Are very you true. interested to see the makeup of made-up Ktos or it's not real close? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think he got transported to at the end? Um, obviously somewhere in Asgard, right? Sure. Do you think that was the Bifrost? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was the Rainbow Road is what, so. I mean, that's why. So Super Mario Kart, got it. Yeah, they had to use the Bifrost to get Wolverine, obviously. It's... I was going to say Care a lot. From the Care Bears, that's where they live. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think, you think it's about time they had a crossover? They did. It's very important. They got the Care Bear stare. There's some sort of, like, Cyclopsian thing about them. Bitch, that's there magic. You. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's move on to our DC corner, uh, much to Ryan Krull's chagrin uh, and to my delight. So we have uh, Deceased Dead Planet number three. Uh, Zatanna recycles some plastic. The Shadow Pack heads to the 1% Club featuring the Penguin, Jason Blood, and Maxwell Lord. Turns out the Floronic Man is generating their flora and Swamp Thing ain't happy about it. Speaking of being unhappy, Trigon's pissed with the lack of dead people. And John Constantine has a plan to create a life equation to revert the zombies back to normal. He just needs Mr. Miracle's help. What'd y'all think? So are they going to do a real sequel after this? Is this just a holding pattern until he decides where he wants to go with the people who actually escape the planet? Because I don't, I don't understand this series. It's I really like this series. Thing. Um, I mean, this is the sequel to the original deceased series. Because they're they're back on they're back on Earth that was taken over by the anti-life equation and the anti-life zombies, even though they're not calling them that. 
And now uh, they, they have found out that there is a way to revert them back. It's just stuck in Cyborg somewhere and they need apocalyptic tech to be able to do it. Brent? Look, I mean, obviously I'm a big uh, Swamp Thing stan, but it, <laughs> the fact that he has absolutely no chill, no negotiating ability, he literally just pops a guy's head off of his body. Uh, they try and destroy him and then he just comes back up as some fucking flowers. You gotta love that. I mean, what a character. Uh, yeah. I like seeing the next generation have to dip. Yeah. So the, the main three having to come to into their own and deal with, they're not quite ready for being this great superhero, but let me try to figure it out and I'll do it to the best of my ability. I like that aspect. It feels like almost this shouldn't even be related to the previous crossover because it, it feels like just them moving on with their lives. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I was happy to see Penguin there. I have nothing to, it's uh, whatever, Cobblepot all day long. I don't know. <laughs> That's what um, your lower back tattoo says, right? Yeah, yeah. And each time that like I'm cooking something and I'm like, how do I cobble this pot anyway? Okay, we'll move on. Yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say the reason I like it is because um, there was a one shot in the original deceased uh, miniseries that dealt with John Constantine and with the other mystical characters and the fact that they're interweaving them into this series. I really like that a lot. I have always liked these characters. I think just for a long time, they were sort of written kind of mediocrely to poorly. Um, and Taylor is just a, you know, talented enough writer to like, kind of like get their voices right. So, uh, so our last issue of the week is Hellblazer Rise and Fall number one. It's more Constantine, it's more Tom Taylor, and Adam isn't even here to bring up Injustice. So we get to meet the wee, uh, John, the wee young John Constantine who's just much of a bastard as his older self. We also get to meet an impaled fat cherub. In fact, we get to meet more than one. The second one used to be the, uh, the UK prime minister and his wings belong to the devil. And also uh, Taylor leans in heavily on John's bisexuality, which is it's great. You know, more queerness in comics. Uh, what did folks think of it? Didn't read it. <laughs> All right. I wasn't going to say didn't read it. everyone else kept their mouths closed. I thought it was fine. <laughs> I just, I'm just not entertained by it. Um, I, I like his writing. I can see how you enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know what to say else. I don't know what else to All say. Right, Why don't I you will, speak on this? Because I will you seem speak to be on it. the most drawn to it, I feel like. Well, one, um, it's been a while since we've had um, kind of like the more Vertigo-esque uh, John Constantine, even though um, DC decided to do a, a Constantine book uh, under the Sandman Presents you know, header. Uh, but I didn't read that and I heard just kind of okay things about it. But Taylor writes one of my favorite Constantines that I've read in a long time. Like, I think, like probably the best since Alan Moore because he kind of gets the uh, the smirking bastard part right, but he's still semi-likable. Uh, and they're also focusing in on the politics of the UK, which is something that Alan Moore did to a certain degree. And then Jamie Delano, who was the first regular writer for the Hellblazer series back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, did really well as well. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I like the art by Derek Robertson, who did Transmetropolitan way back in the day, and then also drew The Boys, which is probably the only really good part of The Boys, the comic, because uh, the writing was definitely subpar. Uh, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Um, I like when um, they mix in the politics uh, as with the uh, sort of uh, metaphysical uh, uh, sort of relationships between heaven and hell. Um, so I'm excited to see where this goes. All right. So next week, uh, we've got um, Hellions number four, uh, Marauders number 12, X-Factor number three, and X-Force number 12. So it looks like we're getting back to a um, more of a bi-weekly schedule. I almost said a bisexual schedule, uh, but maybe oh, nice. maybe a little bit of both, a little bit of, uh, of a... <laughs> Of, uh, of both of both biweekly. That's what Jack, that's what bisexual say, Caitlin. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit of Alexis. 
Um, and also, we're really excited to announce that in a couple of weeks, uh, you can look forward to our upcoming podcast crossover series called Crossing Swords, an ex-podcast crossover over event. A lot of overs there. Uh, where we're going to team up with uh, other great X podcasts, including X Reads podcast, uh, of which I was just a guest star on the latest episode, talking about Uncanny number 199, um, House of X, which is a fairly new podcast. Uh, it's also the same name as the uh, Facebook group that has close to 13,000 followers. Uh, the Wolverine podcast that goes snicked. And of course, the comic book queer is to review the impending Pen of Swords storyline. Uh, there's going to be more details on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, on our regular ep episodes, which drop every Friday. So find us on, of course, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and interact with us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram on Homo Superior Podcast. Thanks so much, y'all. We've been Homo Superior. Uh, come back for our spotty internet connections, impeccable timing, or because you're a big fat bitch. <laughs>